Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe for future content. For more information about our one-on-one coaching and other training or nutrition options, visit giftedperformance.com. Our newest feature, the Gifted Express, offers premium programming for bodybuilders, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, and lifestyle clients for only $30 a month. Enjoy the video. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay gifted. Welcome back to another episode of the GPP, Gifted Performance Podcast. Three letters, three hosts today. We are missing our beloved Paul as he tutors someone, mentors someone on, uh, I think, setting up, what are they doing? Like setting up sheets? Setting up training programs? Something like that. Hey, if you want to set up mentoring sessions with Paul, you're an aspiring young coach, you want to get a session like that, he's got those on the Gifted Performance store. Giftedperformance.com slash Paul Dad Serafini to get those sessions. Look at that, Paul. Shouting you out. Shouting you out on the front end, and you're not even here. We can say whatever we want about him, too. We chose to say nice things. Look at us. Look at us go. What is up with you gentlemen lately? How goes life in Orlando, Florida, and Deerfield, Michigan, maybe? Is that correct? Close? No. Far Bloomfield. Uh, Bloomfield. 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 Okay. How are things in Deerfield? Bloom. I feel like Deerfield's like on a TV show. Is that not even a real thing? Is Deerfield good? It's eighty. It's gonna be eighty-five degrees today. Eighty-five degrees. Oh snap! Twenty-five degrees tomorrow. Yeah. Do you just cut off the sleeves of the hoodies then? What do you do then? The Belichick. Yeah, we we had people walking around in shorts when it was sixty. Yeah, that's kind of like the culture up there, though. It's like if it gets above fifty, you bring the shorts and the the cutoffs out, right? Yeah, that's I how- feel like Michigan's kind of like the people in Michigan are kind of like Russians, where they're just like hard people, just because they have to deal with the cold all the time. Everyone's angry. They've been they've been drinking lead water for the past what twelve years. They're they're a strong, hardy stock up there. <laughs> Is that it's too soon? Hard. Is that too soon, Dom? Probably. Okay. All right. But yeah, it's gonna be eighty five and sunny today. And uh, tomorrow's gonna be eighty three and sunny. Wow, that's awesome. It's good to see the sun still comes to Michigan. Yeah, it's gonna be eighty. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Next Tuesday, 60. Okay. <laughs> That's not that bad, though. 60? We like 60. 25 degree swing? No big deal. Down here, we like 60. <laughs> Jay, what are the happenings? Yeah, because it's so damn humid over there. In Orlando. You can give us a weather report. You can give us an update on your own life. Dom went weather. Weatherman. You can go whatever you want with it. Uh, update of my life. Uh, You know, it's... If we can go with weather, it's just hot. Well, actually, it's not even that hot here in central Florida. It's been kind of breezy, which makes me nervous because that means uh, hurricanes are probably coming, like, tomorrow. So that's the beauty of living in Florida. You're like, oh, it's so lovely. But every now and then, you might have your home destroyed. But, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. Do you know when hurricane you, season starts? Do you guys starts? have, like, hurricane home insurance? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, like, your homeowner insurance can be, like, a hundred bucks a month if you have, like, impact windows and shutters and all that good stuff. Or it can be, like, $300 a month if you don't have those things. It really takes a long swing. Wow. 
I'm gonna pretend I heard what you said because you froze. I, I think it'll get it on the back end. I think it'll record that, but I don't know. We'll see. It could be. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in editing. We'll see what kind of magic Jake can make. I was like, man, they are really, really interested in this story. They're just staring at me. <laughs> man, I'll tell you what. Uh, LimeWire takes up more of your internet than it used to. Man, those are the days. Remember just pirating music? Just stealing shit. You could shut your whole house's internet down with LimeWire. You download like <laughs> four or five like single songs, and the file is like three terabytes. And you're like, oh man, but I can't wait to listen to oh, Yeah man. by Usher. <laughs> how, how, do, uh, how do artists get paid now? Like, there's no CDs... There's what? How do they get paid? All their music's free. They get like a fraction of plays from the streaming service, like not very much. That's why most people will support uh, Apple Music more than Spotify, because I think Spotify takes a larger, or they pay less than Apple directly to uh, the musicians or artists themselves. I think a lot of it. So they make most of their money. Like most artists make the bulk of their money from touring. Yeah. 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 You got to think that a lot, some of these bigger artists oh, yeah. are making so, so six when a figures subscriber, per show. So when somebody streams your music, you get paid a proportionate share of Apple Music subscription revenue per month, oh. calculated on the terms set out in Turn TuneCore's blanket agreement with the store. I yeah, bet that's why our, uh, our future president Kanye West. That's why Kanye. Uh, wow, they that? literally get a penny, a penny a yeah. stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, these, some of these people have like billions of listens, though. Yeah, I'm not necessarily concerned about their income. <laughs> it's not at the top of my list. Jay's very worried. I'm just, I'm just so because like, it's like going platinum even a thing anymore. Uh, y- yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, because I remember. They, which is, it's real shady. So they removed Kanye from his consideration of going platinum, I think, because he was using his own streaming device. It's like because he hasn't paid someone to use his streaming device as a way to collect data, they're like, oh no, we won't consider you for any sort of awards. Man. So, so even the people with a billion views, they made $10 million. Yeah, but then you got to figure how many how many people do they have to pay out? Oh yeah, but like like on Spotify, some of these top people have like over a billion views on one song. Yeah, yeah. I just, what a weird. I mean, I guess it's the artist's dream to get paid to do what you love. I, I guess. I mean, even if you're making a little bit of money, but a lot of that is from touring for sure. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. But that life's rough. You're just on a, a tour bus. Can I like interest you jamming. in this fine morning of Thursday, May 12th, in some mental masturbation from the Exercise Science Instagram space? <laughs> Allow it's me my to show you. Form of masturbation. Exhibit one Joseph. Sir Joseph Bennett. Hypertrophy coach. You guys like Hypertrophy Coach? I feel like this guy puts out like really quality stuff overall. 98 to 99% of the things that Joe puts out. I'm like, this is 
This is pretty good. This, is, this, this has some value. Well, he's a Christian husband, father, provider, career coach. That career coach. You got coach. me at the first one. That's his bio. So what Joe posted that, that someone That's sent this thing. to me was this video here, this reel. Let's check the views on this thing. How popular is this reel? Reels? Man, Instagram has a terrible web browser feature, whatever you want to call it. It is oh, yeah, the worst. And it's crazy to think that they are owned by Facebook. Right? And they have a shitty website. It's because they both want you to use mobile. I think so, yeah. It's much harder for them to track things from your desktop because if you're using like a VPN or something like that or it just gets real shaky. So they, they almost, it's all, it's kind of like Starbucks. Have you ever noticed that Starbucks makes sure that ordering things inside is a massive hassle? Like the parking lots yeah. are typically very small, um, but the drive through is super efficient. Chick-fil-A does the same thing. It's because they don't want you to come inside. Same thing with uh, Instagram. They want it to be inconvenient. All right. Well, they're, they're, I would say they're succeeding. All right. But here's the video. So do resistance profiles <laughs> matter? Matter a lot more for advanced people. You're already kind of what happens in training. You're, if you guys can't read, moving towards a plateau, you need more and more and more and more stimulus. At some point, you can't add more volume. That's true. It doesn't make any sense. Don't want to be in the gym for six hours. That's cool. Be as effective as you can. Adding weight. Yep. There's a limiting point on that as well. Agreed. It's about how much range of motion you're doing. How much weight are you doing through a full range of motion? Throws out a little Tom Purvis. It's not about the range of motion. It's about range of motion with appropriate load challenge. All of those things that he said were words. That we can confirm that those were words found in the English language, and when you put them together, they do make a sentence. We can all agree on that, right? I concur. <laughs> yeah. What do we think about? Let's just start with resistance profiles to begin with, because our topic. Dude, our what did that person comment? Hang on, somebody, <laughs> somebody commented. Does it include the length tension relationship? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Naji. Those, those are words that we use. <laughs> so does those it are... include the all resistance training includes <laughs> the length tension relationship? It's like going for a walk, beating your meat involves the length tension relationship <laughs> of your forearm muscles. So yeah, it does, Naji. You're welcome. We know you love the, the the pod. So thanks for coming through. But what what do you think about this statement here and that like at a certain point you can't add more volume, you can't add more intensity, you can't put more load on the bar. If you want to progress your physique, you need to start paying attention to these finer details, like something like a resistance profile. Where does the muscle produce the most force throughout the range of motion? And then take advantage of that range of motion accordingly so that you're loading it through those specific points of the motion where that force is the highest on the muscle. Something to care about, something not to worry about something that's going to naturally just happen when you train anyway where do you guys kind of stand on that i don't know i've never in my life like thought about this uh, nobody's getting nobody's getting that strong 
Like, <laughs> do you know how strong you have to be to worry about this? When people like do the like strength like, thing, you would switch your you would switch your movement before you come to, like think about this. Do you remember the old video of Kai Green? He's benching four ninety five for like a set of twelve, and he like sits up and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm not a power lifter. I'm a bodybuilder, so I lift accordingly." It's like, dude, you just benched five hundred pounds for a set of eight. <laughs> And then he turns to the camera and he was like, well, I've considered the resistance profiles on the bench press exercise. And I've found <laughs> that when I consider the length tension relationship, the bench press at 495 is the ideal exercise for me. I mean, at I, what point do does anybody like really start to run out of, you know, the adequate stimulant to promote? any desired adaptation like what point are you like oh can't do any more of this i need to add something different to this whole entire scenario it's just well i think uh no i i think this is just too hard to focus on <laughs> because if your weight is so heavy how are you going to focus on one aspect of the resistance profile than the other the only machines that can do this are prime equipment and old strive equipment because you can actually set where tension is the highest on them. So, like, unless you're training on prime equipment, I, I just don't see why you need to be worrying about this. <laughs> it's just... So when I think about... And a lot of his stuff sort of does this. So, And I'm sure Joe Bennett is a nice fellow. He's a Christian. And uh, so... I think he just needs to be a little bit co more cognizant of the people that are viewing his content. Nine times out of 10, they aren't people that are even relatively close to reaching their genetic potential. Most of us aren't like even re like you could be doing this for 20 years and be doing things relatively intelligently and still probably not get very close to your genetic potential. You're pretty close, but you're not very close. So I think that's the one thing he needs to take into account. So, probably what's happening is you get some people that watch this stuff that just are looking for something else because they think they've plateaued because at the end of the day, what are the chances that adding another set is adding so much inconvenience to your day that you need to worry about resistance profiles? Probably not. Even if you're Terrence Ruffin, who's like his number one client, Terrence Ruffin is a bodybuilder. I don't know what Terrence does outside of bodybuilding, but he probably doesn't have shit else to do besides spend four hours in the gym what's four hours and 30 seconds going to be if terrence just adds another set so it's 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 just getting caught up with things that probably just don't really matter and i think it's for the sake of just generating more content which good for joe because people are watching it people are watching it but no one seems to be really commenting on it here's our top comment there from i underscore i and he came in with the... Oh, I know Ishaq. He came in with the wisdom of everything depends on the context. Ah, yes. A comment that provides value to everyone who's viewing this video. Everything depends on the context. Totally, man. It depends. There, there's a common thread in bodybuilding it seems like or maybe it's just an exercise science where we love to just I think it's be, we love to complicate things but I think it's because we're trying to align ourselves with the other health professionals such as physicians nurses people like that that use big words that nobody really understands because they're trying to keep people alive 
So in order to kind of align ourselves with the other fitness professionals, we like to overcomplicate things that really have nothing to do with like actual health, like resistance profiles don't like things like this don't need to be overly complicated because they don't apply to anyone. Yeah. Like I'd love to say like most people, but probably no one it probably applies to. I would say like resistance profiles, paying attention to active range of motion, joint angle stuff is something that matters to athletes. And, you know, 10 years ago, I think athletes really got bogged down in the weeds here. And we're like, this is stuff that we need to concern ourselves with. Like, what's the exact degree of knee flexion that I need to squat to as a sprinter to match the kind of like resistance curves and the force curves that are associated with the sport? It's like, OK, I can get behind that. Most sport coaches now are kind of getting away from that. And they're saying, listen, the best way to get better at sprinting is to do some general physical preparation in which you make your body body stronger and more resilient to injury and then it's to take your ass out to the track and just run real fast it turns out the way to to run fast is is to go to a track and run fast and now bodybuilders are like grabbing onto this (laughs) resistance profile thing and they're using bands and they're using variable resistance and all of that i think a lot of it is just it completely ignoring the overwhelming majority of the evidence that says this stuff makes little to no difference. You know, if it's volume equated, you get the same result. But like, I, Jay, I think you nailed it. You said it's for content. It's like this is a piece of content that's going to grab people's eyes. And if you don't understand, you might say, hmm, maybe I should care about resistance profile. Profiles, whatever. I also think it's weird that he says like you just can't keep adding volume because then your sessions will be four. Like uh, how much it's like time does one more set yeah, take? So that extra set takes you from like 75 minutes and it just bumps you up to that 240 <laughs> minute mark. It's like that one set, you know, you have to rest the three hours and 15 minutes from before that set. So you're ready for it. I you, think even like uh <laughs> And Lyle, when he was being super critical of one of the Schoenfeld studies that, which that doesn't give any context at all, Schoenfeld study, because there's so many of them, but all of them. the one about set or uh, <laughs> like set volumes. And it was like 20 sets. And Lyle was just like, who does 20 sets in one session? Like, who does that? Like, no one that's it's it's not feasible, but people I know I've done it. We've done for it. Sure. And it didn't take me four hours. Yeah, we've definitely done it. <laughs> like Wait, like def- 20, 20 sets of one body part? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah Don't lie, sure. Dom. Absolutely. You've done it. A little but, shoulder day. You know, you got to get the... For sure. You got to get for the sure. four, four sets my, of my a dumbbell shoulder 10. press. And then you got to get the four sets of the machine shoulder press. Five supersets of the lateral raises <laughs> yeah, with the front right. raises. Yeah, and it shrugs. Uh, can't upright even, rows. Like, You're missing a bunch, dude. Coming out of the gym, the cable walking face like... pulls. <laughs> if you're do- <laughs> if you're if you're doing twenty sets per muscle group, it might be time to just start looking for something else to do. Like you, you should probably just do ten sets and just milk that out for as long as you possibly can, and then start like racing RC cars yeah, or say, like bu- whatever. Like just do building building model stuff. rockets is like super fun. Like I've heard really good things yeah. about crocheting. There's a l- 
there's a ton of stuff you could do. You could like pay That'll attention to your be friends just as, if and like more develop a personality <laughs> and a social life. Like all these things are really, really good options that you can do with the other time in your day. Yeah, because if you're doing 20 sets to be a bodybuilder, maybe being a bodybuilder just ain't it. Whoa. Char- oh, Charlie. Oh, goddamn, Charlie. He, he's getting Charlie. in on it. Goddamn. So I think that this idea, kind of just this post, is somewhat of a microcosm of an issue that I see existing in the space as a whole with people, you know, attaching themselves to some very small detail, whether it's a mechanism or a pathway or something like that, and like really running with it and getting themselves buried in unnecessary details. So when we look at this stuff, the question from Omar was like, does this stuff actually make a difference? And if it does make a difference, what's the what's the magnitude of effect here? What I told him was basically it does make a difference, um, but like the percentage is so small that it isn't going to be some game changer that people make it out to be. I just don't... It's not going to turn you from... <clears throat> maybe like possibly becoming nationally qualified to becoming Mr. Olympia. Like that isn't going to be the difference there. It's probably going to be, well, your genetics are obviously going to play the greatest role, but at that level, it's probably going to be pharmacology. Um, Even from a drug free or natty perspective, it's definitely not going to be the thing. Like, you know, if you're drug free, I think bodybuilding in general, most people know they're going to be really good at bodybuilding in like the first year where you're like, yeah, I look a lot different than everybody else. So by that time, you're not thinking, you know what? Let me start thinking about this resistance profile stuff now so I'm prepared later on in my career when I hit my genetic potential. Because like, like, I think we were talking about that before the podcast. Like, tell Ronnie Coleman about resistance profiles. <laughs> like, do, you, do we think that, like, Big Ramy, <clears throat> Big Ramanoush is the biggest person on stage by far is he concerned about resistance profiles? Probably not. Like he probably doesn't care about that at all. So I, it's just, I don't, I don't know if it matters. It probably does matter. Like you said, Ryan, but probably not that much. I don't think it matters. What's almost a sad realization here is that this stuff probably does matter and it probably will accelerate your results to a very small degree. But the sad thing to think about is that accelerating your results gets you to your genetic ceiling faster. This is not something that's going to artificially increase your genetic ceiling. So the more you obsess over every minute detail that gets you the best and most efficient results possible out of the gate just puts you at the unfun part of training faster, the part where progress is exceptionally slow. I think most people, when they look back on their lifting career, They say the most fun years that they had were the years where they had no idea what they were doing. We were doing, you know, quadruple, quadruple, (laughs) quintuple drop sets on shrugs. I had my buddies sitting on the sides of the bar. Like nothing will ever replace those times because we were so blissfully ignorant and obsessing over these things early, I think would take away a lot of that fun of those early years. I agree. Yeah, I think now that, 
you know, I guess I've kind of removed myself a little bit from bodybuilding, but it's the more that I would obsess about the minutia, the less it became less fun. It became more of like, let me try to figure out this formula so I can get myself a little bit closer to my genetic ceiling. And like you said, like, what do you do then? Like, you're like, okay, this is it. Like, yeah, once you're there, you're there. It's done. You're done. Yeah. It's done. Starts time to do something else. It's it's similar to Trust when me, folks. Uh, once you get there, <laughs> what happened? Things aren't as fun. I said once you get there, things aren't as fun. I see. A, it's kind of like a. It's a little dissimilar, but it's it's kind of to the same point. It's like when I see a lot of guys who go pro as lightweights or middleweights, and they rush to get their IFBB pro card. And you're like, dude, like, what's what's next? Do you enjoy bodybuilding? Like, because if you get your pro card as a lightweight, and your name isn't Sean Clarita, you gotta you got a real long off season ahead where you're gonna not be competing at all. So you're rushing to this end oh, dude, point. You years, years. With no guarantee that you're ever gonna what be able to like- be super competitive at a pro show anyway. So like, enjoy it. I think Secret. isn't like Dexter like one of the few people that have done that like he's gone from being a lightweight to being an open like he won the Mr. Olympia in the open class I, but I mean Dexter I mean that was like what 20 years later <laughs> something like that yeah I think we can look at the landscape of who has won the big shows Arnold's Olympia's New York pros the largest I it's not a lot of guys that were once a lightweight that's not the common story. Like they're not saying, "Oh man, these lightweight guys are really coming in and you know sticking it to Rami or sticking it to Ronnie." That's that hasn't been a trend that I've noticed. I can only think of it. I think it is just Dexter. I don't think Dexter was even light. I think Dexter was a bantam. No, is that right? I wonder what Sean was. Dexter Florida. was a lightweight or a bantam. Sean would have to be a bantam. Yeah, I think. Okay, but he's he not even open. Pro? I think he was a bantam when he turned pro. Because that's like a real small pool, but I think I'm pretty sure that Dexter was a lightweight. And then you know, 20 years later or 15 years later, then he was competing because that was before the 212. So you had no option; you just had to compete in the open class. Like men's health. Like, why do you? Why are you the first hit on Google? But I need a MVP membership to even read the damn thing. Google Analytics. Their SEO game is strong. Real strong. All right. Anyways, Sean turned professional as. I feel like I want to say he weighed like one sixty or something like that. As an open bantam weight in 2012. What's bantam? What's the weight cap on bantam? Yeah. Man, you got me working today. I know. <laughs> Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> it is up to and including 143 and a quarter. 140. Jesus. Oh my god. Oh man, I was a fifth grader, I think. So he probably weighs a hundred pounds more than when what he weighed when yeah. he first started. Matt I, I think Matt Jensen just posted a picture of him. 
I want to say he was weighing somewhere around like two something. Actually, oh, he when didn't he, post his weight. He didn't talk about his weight. Because even when he won the two twelve, I don't think he was two twelve. I think he was like I don't. Think no, he was like one hundred eighty five pounds. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, he was yeah. like in that one eighty range. Wild dude, I need to stand next to that guy. I, I I realized how short he was when Anthony took a picture with Sean, and I was like, Anthony, you're tall. <laughs> Holy shit! So in two thousand in two thousand and one, that was last Olympia. Two thousand one. Yes, yeah, he was one hundred seventy four pounds on stage. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. And that's one. He's the only one. The, the one of He's one. He's the only one like that. Everyone else is like, 220 has to cut weight to 212. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm on my way up, bitches. <laughs> Come down all you want. Well, so. then he won that open show. He did. He did. Some would say he was robbed. I think that was the one where, like, Sergio Oliva was, like, complaining after, right? I should have won that. Well, Sergio, no, so better. leading up to the show... Leading up to the show, Sergio commented on a post and said, if he beats me, I will retire. Oh, that was it. So he beat him, and everyone was calling out, Sergio, are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? Sergio seems a bit dramatic. Because Sergio said something like, "Um, if if somebody beats me 100 pounds less than me, I'm going to retire. What a weird thing to say. Does he know how height works? It's <laughs> clearly not. Some of these guys, I'm like, it's a good thing you're a bodybuilder. Like that's you should do that. So he posts <laughs> March 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 23rd. Uh, he posted growing season. He was 210. Could you imagine him at 210 at his height? Five foot one, 210. That ain't, that ain't no That's sloppy cool. 210 either. He's probably got those, like, trademark, super distended upper abs like he always has. I just wonder, how uncomfortable is that? It's got to be painful. Because I've been a fat it's, it's, 265 it, twice. It, it can't even be uncomfortable. It has to just, like, hurt. Like, existence is pain. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it would be very much fun. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I, I've been definitely uh, not very lean 265 twice, and I just remember everything just not – it. nothing was enjoyable. Like walking around, breathing, getting in and out of a car, like it all was just not enjoyable. So I can only imagine being five foot one, And, you like, you have to love it at this point because he, he was drug-free. He won everything there. He moved over. He won everything there. And now he's just winning everything, but he's been doing it for like, you know, twenty something odd years. And I think when you span a career up. and you look at both natural and the enhanced side, he has to be arguably the most successful bodybuilder ever because he's had so much success Kai. across the board. I think Kai would probably I think they'd probably be pretty close. Cause, but Kai didn't spend that much time as a natural. He didn't spend as much time as Sean. Kai basically, basically just like ran the gamut and was like, I'm out. I've beaten everybody here. Let me move on. Which is probably what, I mean, if you're a drug-free competitor I, and you don't 
plan on staying drug free or even if you do plan on staying drug free that's probably the path you should take like you should and i had this conversation not that long ago with one of my competitors more or less like before you move to the npc at least make sure that you could beat everybody in the drug free competitors or uh, competitions or organizations if you don't plan on moving up or you know making that next step because if you can't beat all of those people then the chance of you beating everybody in the npc is like pretty slim yeah i would i would bet that if you are someone like sean like kai and you do have the genetics to dominate the natural sphere the way that they did there's also a very high likelihood that when you introduce androgens to your system you're probably also going to respond very well to those and get extremely jacked so to jay's point if you're not dominating the natural sphere I don't think the inclusion of drugs is going to be the thing that's like, oh, like now I can make the leap up and, and be Mr. Olympia. It's like back to the point of it's either there or it's not there. And you can believe that. Did I freeze again? Am I frozen? Oh, oh no, no. you're good. Okay, all right, you're all right, good. Good. <laughs> all right, cool. Yes, you gave me your stairs again. So here's here's kind of a topic of the day, a conversation to be had, and a fun one for you guys. There's been a point in all of our careers where we thought that we had the secret sauce, right? We had the recipe that as soon as everyone else tried it, they were going to blow up like we did. I want to know what was your I'm, I'm sure it's been a couple times but what was your favorite moment when you thought that you had the secret sauce whether it be training nutrition or otherwise man I th man i can man. <laughs> i can think of everything 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 anything i ever learned i was like <laughs> you dumb motherfuckers don't know about this uh <laughs> anything name it you could just run the gamut uh the big one was definitely counting macros or if it fits your mouth like that was the that just opened up the door to me thinking that i knew far more than everyone and anybody at all that was following a meal plan you were just dumb like you didn't understand the whole thing how it worked <laughs> even though i'd i'd been following meal plans <laughs> like I didn't know any better than to just follow a meal plan forever and did pretty well following meal plan. As soon as I found out about macros, I was like, everybody that's doing it the old way, you're now dumb. And that was probably, yeah, that was probably the initial sort of, that was probably my biggest secret sauce moment when I realized, and I remember talking to, I think I may maybe even have told this story here. Like my, my sister-in-law is a pediatrician. And granted, she doesn't know a ton about nutrition, but, you know, she went to medical school, so she knows a few things about a few things. And I remember having the conversation with her about if it fits your macros and basically just trying to tell her that you only have to eat the macros. You just have to reach these percentages of your overall caloric intake, and that's all you had to do. It didn't really matter how you got there. Don't worry about fruits and vegetables. You just had to get to the numbers. And she said, I don't think that's right. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're wrong. Shout outs to my sister-in-law. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was, that was the big one. I think 
I think my biggest one was like a uh, like when I when I read about um, like spiking your insulin post workout to get your nutrients in faster, which like in the grand scheme of things is real. So, <laughs> but I was like, I would like eat the candy or something after a workout, then like chug amino acids and creatine and stuff after thinking I was like gonna make this amazing leap of progress because I was doing it then I put it in everybody's plans <laughs> did it work I think I just had a is it is that why you're jacked now no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even do it anymore <laughs> Remember, uh, <laughs> here's another one. Ryan, I know Ryan knows about this. Remember when, like, hit cardio? Yep. And that was just the only way to do things. And then we decided to put together two things. We put together hit cardio and the stair mill. We mm -hmm. if you put those things together. It's a multiplier. You now increase the efficiency of your cardio. It just makes sense because the stair mill is really... It's the bodybuilder's best friend. It's the yeah. only way to get cardio done. But the, if you the, go through sprints of 30 seconds. The fat melts off so fast that the fact that your knees <laughs> ache all day, every day, isn't even a problem anymore because you're so lean and you can just blame the knee pain on being lean as opposed to the fact that you're like stomping the stair mill for, you know, a very efficient 15 minutes a day. She's like, hell yeah, I can get like 450 calories in 15 minutes. Jay's like, I can get 460. <laughs> and, then, and then, but I, at the time, I remember looking at everybody else doing like lists and just being like, what are you doing? These idiots. Like, How is that going to work out? I remember getting into a conversation, like, <laughs> getting in a conversation with Lyle about that. Uh, and he told me that I was dumb because I couldn't do hit for very long. And I said, no, Lyle, that's incorrect. I can do hit for 30 minutes. <laughs> and he was just like, good luck with that. Uh, and he was correct. Uh, <laughs> I cannot last more than Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever been able to actually, and it's not even true. It's not true hit. If you can last a half an hour of doing it, of doing intervals in, of 30 seconds to 45 seconds with the adequate amount of rest at a high level of uh at a high performance, you're probably no longer doing hit anymore. Not by the true definition, no. I think There's I think something. all of my secret sauce moments were supplement related. And it was like just this stepwise fashion of like every time I found something new, it was like that next big step. And if the sticker price on the supplement was higher, it's because it was more valuable and it was going to give me that 50%, 60% increase that was reflected in the, the value of the uh, supplement. So, you know, it starts early. We get into a little bit of muscle tech. Maybe it's a little bit of their, what was their, their creatine blend that they had? They're, uh, oh, um, I forget. Oh, God um, damn it. Fuck, man. We're, damn, are we getting this Phosph old? No. It was, it uh, Celtech. 
Celtech, yeah. Celtech. And I got the Celtech and I was like, all right, this is this is some good stuff right here. Was it sugar? It was, but that's okay. I don't mind that it was only just maltodextrin in there. And then we had the Celtech hardcore. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I, you know, Frank McGrath, who I really like, I think those veins are perfectly healthy and there's nothing varicose about those. He's an animal athlete and he takes animal supplements. So I got to switch over there. They got the stack. They got the M stack. This stuff has ectosteroids in it. That literally has steroid in the name. Do you understand how well <laughs> this is going to work? And then they're like, you can combine it with animal pack. And I see people on the forums and they're like, my pee turned green when I took animal pack. And I was like, green's a good color. Like green is grass. And, and grass grows pretty fast. So I got to throw that in there as well. Get that effect there. And I was like, you know what? I got I to gotta get something a little edgier. I got to level myself up. And then I found this company. I don't even remember what the company's name was. But they... Uh, they had a post-workout company, uh, a supplement called like Anabolic Overdose. I was like, holy shit. I know anabolic is a good thing, and I know that overdosing is extreme, so let me get that. And they had like this plasma jet pre-workout. It got to the point where I had put so many supplements on my mom's credit card that bodybuilding.com sent me a gym bag, like a $150 gym bag full of supplements sent it to me valued customer you've spent over this amount of dollars like we're going to give you all this stuff for free i priced it out it was like 400 450 dollars worth of stuff when i realized that i had spent in a an egregious amount of money is when they also sent it to the other address that i had on and i was like hey guys you sent this twice do you want me to send it back and they were like no it's fine we're completely okay with eating $1,000 that we basically just sent to you <laughs> because you've already spent 15000 on our website. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so for me, it was, it was always about uh, the supplements, the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And I have to, you had to apologize to your sister-in-law. I have to apologize to my mother, Cindy. I'm, I, I'm very sorry that I did such terrible things with your credit card from the age of like 14 to 17 so <laughs> formal apology but for me it was always supplements is it funny that when you find the secret sauce you immediately start to look at everybody else like they're doing everything unbelievably incredible like just wrong like you're doing yeah. everything wrong like this is the thing that we should be doing i think that's part of it that's what makes it so fun is that you now have the right to look down on other people because they don't even know how to track protein, carbs, and fat. They've never even heard of it. I remember it's I was like being a... lorded over by a macro master one time, and I just, you know, I, I bowed down and I said, thank you. Thank you for inventing protein, carbs, and fat and sharing that with us, putting that out into the world so that we can all enjoy it as well. I just I, like this brings back so many memories of so many things I've done that were just not the right thing to do. Like uh, fasted cardio was another one where I'm like, that makes sense. If I've got nothing in my stomach, there's no calories there. And I start off expending them bright in the morning. I must be digging more of a deficit. That makes a ton of sense like on its face. And just watching people eat and just being like, "You did you have breakfast this morning? They're like, yeah. I'm like, you've just wasted your cardio. Like, don't even do it. Might as well have stayed home. 
And it's this assumption that if there's no calories in your stomach, there's no calories or energy substrates stored anywhere else in your body. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But also at the same time, yes. Fasted cardio, there needs to be some sort of like Yohimbine bark extract in the equation there. And then you know, throw yourself a little bit of like BCAAs in there. Ignore the fact that BCAAs have calories and do kick you out of a fasted state. That doesn't matter. That's information that I don't want to hear and I choose to ignore. So therefore, fasted cardio, superior. Just ignore the pure, the evolutionary mechanism that, how bad of an evolutionary mechanism that would be that if you ate food before you went to bed and you woke up, all the food is now gone. So the next time that you needed to hunt for food because uh, there aren't grocery stores, you would then cut into your overall energy uh, supply so much that you might die if you don't find food in the next, I don't know, how long does it take before you die from not having food? Uh, just accelerate that process even more. It's a... What a it's a... It's kind of like you have to choose which party you're in because like when you look at evolution you have to understand that bodybuilders have essentially left evolution behind we've left humanity behind so we're now at this crossroads where it's who do you follow do you follow charles darwin noted um you know bigot and uh just general yeah just a degenerative human being or do you follow someone like rich piana who understood that through our own abilities we can transcend humanity and leave it behind to where to where evolution no longer plays a role so jay i can tell that you understand you get it yeah it all makes sense Yo, this rest in awesome. peace to Rich Piana. That guy was, by all accounts, a legend of a human being. A strange individual, but a legend of a human being. As long as memes exist about bodybuilders, he's probably going to be the one. Like, if you That's Google true. bodybuilder, he's probably going to be one of the top ones that come up forever. Yep. Eight-hour arm he workout. Lives he lives All right. Out. That moves us to our last piece of the day. Our last piece of the day is good news, everyone. And our good news segment for the day is where I'm going to talk, or I'm going to let Dom and Jay talk about cars and fuel and how those things interact and work. Because the story of the day in our good news section comes from thegoodnewshub.com, which is where I get all my good news. Um, and that is that an eight. Oh yeah, I didn't even realize that that was the website URL. Yeah, yeah, it's good news. It only it only gives you good news stuff. So it it filters out all this. the bad stuff, the war and the, uh, you know, the inflation and stock market, all that. It just gives you good stuff. The good stuff of the day was an A380 Airbus, which, according to this picture here, is a very large airplane. Um, completed a test flight of three hours using nothing but cooking oil. So the first time we've seen that happen, apparently in the past, um, airlines like KLM, I guess is another one, that has used like a 50-50 blend of jet fuel and cooking oil. This is the first one using nothing but cooking oil. Interesting comments. We pushing the world forward here? I think we are. I think uh, my dog's going crazy, so I'm going to mute myself. All right, so we go with uh, Jay's comments first. 
I I read this and I think I talked about this before. It took me down like a real deep dive into the whole like uh, I guess pollutants and airplanes and cars because I got sold early into the idea that an airplane is far more impactful on the environment than cars. And then I actually read some <laughs> some actual research as opposed to just getting my information from Twitter like I typically do. Uh, and it turns out that cars are actually far more impactful on the environment in comparison to airplanes because airplanes transport more people than cars do. That makes a lot of sense. So when I read this, I'm like, okay, this is a way, another way to kind of, you know, forego using fossil fuels, which the boomer in me is totally against because that means that, uh, we're going to start taking away combustion vehicles, which I don't like, but I think this is a step in the right direction. Uh, I knew a fella who actually pretty, I mean, obviously pretty smart guy once I explained the rest of it, but he was graduating for UCF, shout out to central Florida. And, uh, he converted his truck, like a, actually by the time it was like a pretty new truck to run off of the cook, cooking oil that we would kind of throw away at the end of the night from the restaurant I worked at. So it's, it, this technology has been around for a while. Uh, but it's pretty cool that this is an option to run things off of cooking oil. What's a good option is that potentially if these airplanes run on peanut oil, you then put the fumes into the airplane and the plane ride just smells like Chick-fil-A. The whole ride, actually I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because then you're just gonna (laughs) really be hungry the entire time. So scratch that. It's probably good for some people. Yeah, yeah. I would love it. You get those people that are allergic to uh, peanuts. You'd be like, sorry, you can't get on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if they wear a mask, then, you know. That's, yeah, that's true. That is how you filter out everything. So the article goes on to talk about um, not just cooking oil being because the aviation industry as a whole. So across the globe, the aviation industry has said, you know, we're going to go carbon neutral, zero emission, all that good stuff that they talk about very frequently by the year 2050. So we are now 28 years out from that. So we're trying to move in that direction. And they're thinking that hydrogen based planes are on the horizon and there are some hydrogen based cars so how the fuck does that work dom uh how does hydrogen work how does a hydrogen engine work i'm pretty sure it's the same way as a normal combustion you don't have to google it either you can 100% just make it up as you go. No, I have to Google it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I they're it's... just modified internal combustion engines. Okay. So that we could use hydrogen fuel cells. Oh. Hydrogen fuel cells sounds really cool. I oh, know. So they, so they use electrochemical use of hydrogen rather than blowing it up. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still basically an elect it's still an electric car. Okay. Yeah. I, think, I think is how it works. So it's almost like hydrogen based like batteries fueling an electric car, essentially. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I would yeah. hate to be near one of these things if they exploded. Makes me real nervous. You wouldn't be it's around. It's crazy it for that everything that could possibly be <laughs> it's it's crazy that everything that could possibly be better for our environment. Like the best things for our environment, the cleanest burning fuels 
are the ones that are the most sketchy, like hydrogen, nuclear. You're like, ugh, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't want to be don't the think, first I don't, one. I, and I don't think that's what people, people who preach the electric car, say the environment stuff, take into consideration. They just think, like, have you seen those pictures of, like, what the mines look like for the battery It's not uh, good. Development it's not Tesla? great. Like, how much they, how much land they destroy over, like, to make one battery? <laughs> I'm not worried about that, Dom. I'm not worried. You're about not? That. I'm worried about zero to 60 in a, the Tesla plaid. That's my main concern. Fuck those people in their land. I just want to go zero to 60 <laughs> in two seconds. Jay, want, Jay wants more lithium. He wants more. He wants two things, more <laughs> lithium and more human rights violations. So if we can dial those up as soon as possible so that his Tesla goes a little faster, Elon, make it happen. Elon doesn't like hydrogen <laughs> fuel cells, believe it or not. Uh, imagine that. But uh, I, I guess he's not a big fan on hydrogen stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, we can reach out and get a comment from him on that, or perhaps he'll want to come on the podcast to discuss it. So I'll have I, I have my people talk to his people. Yeah. We were talking about this before, and I know people who are watching will remember. There was an episode of Robin Big where he took an old Ford Pinto and he converted it to run on old cooking oil or used cooking oil. And I, I want to say it was, like, really inefficient, or it was, like, this was also in, like, 2000 five when that show was out but it was very inefficient or it was like it burned very hot or something like that i forget exactly so that's what, what uh e85 burns it's super efficient but it burns really hot so if you're running e85 in a car you probably get like half the amount of fuel economy that you would if you're running petroleum fuels um I think that's one of those things like nobody's really figured out how to not let that happen. I don't, I don't know if they're like a giant, you need like a giant fuel cell inside of your car, I think is the only way around it. Um, Toyota already has some hydrogen cars. I've just, I've never seen one on the road. I assume that it's like super expensive and then I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's no hydrogen pumps anywhere. I think they have cars that are, they have the potential to be used for hydrogen cells, but they just don't have ways to fuel them yet. Hydrogen's definitely. Oh, E85 actually burns cooler. Did I just make that up? It says E85 burns cooler than gasoline because... Tom, why it, would you say that? It, Did you, you know hear how confidently burned. Jay said that it burns hotter, and you read that, and you were like, nope, this guy can't <laughs> no, spin his totally, web no, it of makes bullshit sense. no more. It makes no. It makes sense what Dom said because that's kind of the that's the heel of efficiency for a vehicle is often heat, just like just machines in general. The the heels also always heat, so that makes a lot of sense that it would actually run cooler. But then why does it? Why does the fuel economy go down? Now we need a Jamie. We need somebody that's just on top of the ship. I'm doing it. E85 lower. So while he looks up that, I think hydrogen is a really good option. But Jay also mentioned nuclear, which can be a good option. Ah, it's and because the energy content is lower in E85. Oh, is oh, that what the 85 okay. stands for? What do the numbers stand for? It's like the octane rating or something. What is that? So like Dr. Octane comes and he rates the gas and he's like, I choose a 93 out of 100. I really like you. 
Uh, it's the measure of a fuel's ability to resist knock. Nah, I just feel like we're just That's continuing. Just yeah, we're just like going from so Googling one is. thing to the next. <laughs> Knocks <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. So it's it's basically like uh, best way to explain. It's almost like vibrations within the efficiency. Like for a motor to run efficiently, it needs to not vibrate. And knock is increased vibration. So that if right. the explosions aren't clean, I'm going to use air quotes, which means I don't really know what I'm talking about. Uh, you'll get more knock if you just monitor. Like most cars have knock. Uh, sensors so it'll either decrease air increase fuel to try to keep the motor basically alive that was always the issues with like older motors they didn't have knock sensors at all so you just like turn a little screw and it give you more air or less air or let more fuel and less fuel with no sort of regard of whether or not you could be causing issues with the engine itself okay so the higher the octane the less chances of oh okay Dom's gonna come in and be like, "No, here's the here's the thing about knock. Let me tell you a little something." No, it makes sense. It you makes actually want to increase the knock. Our stage, our uh, our ninety three octane uh, remapped. Yeah, yeah. But what I was gonna say yeah, about nuclear cool. is that I haven't seen any. So I I mean we all know the record of the one nuclear car that we've seen the auto uh, the autobiography film. Um, of Bruce Wayne, Batman, where he has his nuclear vehicle. That's the one that we've seen in practice. But other than that, I'm not familiar with any nuclear-powered cars. I think there's just the stigma with the term nuclear. People are just terrified of that, which understandably, I mean... My, my brain had thing, a seizure I, when you said stigma, and I was like, stigma, what brand of car makes a stigma... But there's, I mean, there's nuclear power plants all over America. I think there's a uh, 55 commercially operating there? nuclear power plants. So like just and there's, there's 93 nuclear power reactors in the U.S. There's 88 in the state of Michigan. <laughs> Wait, hang on. There's a map. There's a map. Hang on. Michigan has one, two, three, four. Fuck. <laughs> Florida has two. Damn like right. Ignorance I think there's that one in Orlando, right? No. Probably. It's probably in my backyard. Um, yeah, there probably is one in Orlando. Oh, maybe not. Oh, here. There's four in Orlando. Or there's, I'm sorry. There's one in Orlando. Ah. <laughs> uh. And think most people don't even know. They're just like, ah, oh, no big deal. But they oh, look, put, at this, look at that! Look at that smoke <laughs> coming out <laughs> of that thing. <laughs> like, like when you were a kid, you were driving by, and your parents were like, look, 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 yeah. <laughs> look how cool that is. <laughs> <laughs> if this blows up, we're all gonna get cancer. <laughs> Mommy, uh, my skin tingles. So crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was watching. I'm watching that Netflix documentary because I've run out of things to watch on the television when my my wife falls asleep. Um, and that's what I'm watching about this nuclear reactor that apparently blew up or had something didn't go well. I haven't gotten to the point where they actually explain what happened uh, in Pennsylvania. I think that was where it was. Shout out yeah, to where I was born nuclear and Nuclear power is so terrifying. Yeah. Shout out to PA. But that's just PA sketchy. Sucks. People don't like it. They don't like things they're not comfortable with. They're like nuclear. Nope. Hydrogen. Nope. Sounds like bomb. I'm out. But they don't realize <laughs> like if you get into your car... 
you're basically sitting behind a bomb. You're sitting behind some explosions. That's how the whole thing works. That's that's how energy is created from basically it. I have an a explosion. question. I have a question because we're on the topic of cars. Have you seen the new BMW i7? Not Share yet, your screen. Tom, but Ryan, pull it up. Ryan, or I'll do it. <laughs> the internet at my disposal. Dude, this car is unbelievable. <laughs> is this it? Is it electric? No, that's not it. Yeah. Because that other uh, electric car they made apparently is dog shit. Um, the i7? Or the, the i8? i8, yeah. It looks like a spaceship. It looks really cool. So... Let's see this. I need to see this. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, no. No, no, Start with the outside. Start with the exterior. What does it look like from the outside? This guy's... Okay. So it's nice. Classy. And it's almost, uh, it's almost it like Rolls like Royce-y. It looks yeah. like somebody else needs to be driving you. Yes. Yeah, for yes. sure. Yeah. Yes. You're not driving that. Somebody you else need your, like, You need yourself that. an Alfred to drive it for you. Yeah. Private lounge. Also, look at this person's house. Behind the is car, that Kurt Russell. It might be. Is Kurt That's Russell still cool. alive? Look at the interior, dude. <laughs> Ooh! Wow. I like See, the TV. I like the TV cars. from the roof over the TV coming out of the back seats. Oh, at a mere at a mere hundred twenty thousand, but at yeah. least you get a seventy five hundred tax credit. At one hundred nineteen thousand, that probably doesn't even come with like the tires, right? It's like no tires, no steering wheel. Let's make one. You want to make one? Let's make one. Why not? As a as a car guy, it concerns me that eventually, people like you're probably not going to drive your car. Like eventually, you're just going to get into this thing and it's going to take you to where you need to go, and you can like check your emails and your Instagrams and stuff. And very iRobot. You know, you're probably not going to drive. Yeah, some, something else is going to drive you. If you are listening to the podcast on Spotify or on Apple Music and you don't have visual right now, just like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one. We're going to build a car now. So <laughs> if you want to hear the sounds of us building a BMW, then stick around. If you leave, we're not going to hold it against you. Hey, should I should I, uh, should I I put down 1500 for one? Why not? <laughs> That'll be helpful. 1500 down today? What the <laughs> fuck? Usually it's like 100 it's fully refundable. Oh, great. Makes you feel better. I, I could use Amazon Pay with all these Amazon gift cards I keep winning. Yeah. Uh, hey, you've got yeah. a challenger, an unnamed challenger. Who an has, unnamed challenger. Who has told me that he or she will be taking you down. I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, That's folks. Crazy. That brings us to the end of our episode of the GPP. Go and reserve your new BMW i7 for the low price of $1,500 down today. Check out with PayPal or Amazon Pay. You can reserve that. And like Dom said, it's fully refundable. After that $1,500, the car is only $117,500 at base. The savings. You get $7,500 tax credit. That is insane. The government will love you forever. But that's all we got for you guys today. We will see you on the next episode. Keep the questions. Keep the topics coming. You guys bring that part of the show, and we'll continue to bring you good news, like plant oil airplanes. See you on the next one. In the meantime, stay gifted, and we love you. Bye.
Peace. Peace.